0: Let me tell you a little story. I said, "Imagine what a a virgin wheat field would look like." Do you know what that means? And and at the time, my, my son, he just turned nine, but he was eight. He said, um, "What does virgin mean?" I said, "It means untouched." And he, I said, "So what would an untouched wheat field look like?" And they said, "Ah, oh, a bunch of beautiful wheat, like golden wheat, in a field." And I said, "Yeah." And I said, and and what would happen if you walked through that field of wheat? And they said it would make a little pathway. And I said, what do you mean by that? And they said, well, it would trample down some of the wheat and you could see the pathway. And I'd say, and then then what would happen with that pathway? And they said, "Uh, it would probably bounce back. It would come back. The, The wheat would pop up. And I said, you're right. But what happened if you walked that path every day for the next three years? And then all your friends started following you down that path. What would happen? And they said, it would become kind of like the hiking trail we go on, where it's just dirt. And I said, yeah, it would. And I said, so your mind has neuro, what they call neural pathways. And the more you walk down those pathways, the more you will carve permanent ruts, permanent trails. And that that wheat will never grow back there. That will become a permanent trail the more repetition happens. So you have neural pathways in your mind. And what happens is when you carve a rut, in that wheat field but i'm talking about your mind then it becomes i said if you've ever seen water go downhill it'll find the rut and it will it will stay in that rut together and it will find that path of least resistance and and what happens in your minds when you're carving these neural pathways is that rut becomes a a funnel for information because it's carved through so much reputation reputation that these people that are out there trying to do harm to control our minds they'll use that rut to push in their information and you won't even have a chance because it'll just flow right through that mm-hmm. well-carved path. And so you have to be careful not to carve these repetitive paths in your neural pathways. give them a break let the, let the wheat grow back you know fire off new synapses and all that stuff with new ideas and new thoughts and curiosity but be careful of anything you, you do that causes a permanent path to be carved in the, in the way that you think. Um, because it will change the direction of your life and you will lose dominion over your choices. And they said, what is dominion, dad? I said, it's it's you will lose the power to choose. Do you understand yeah. that? And then, and then you will look for others to tell you their choices and you'll follow them. And that's what's happening with most of our people. And I don't want that to happen to you. And then at that point on, it became very interesting where um, they started to govern themselves. And I would say what happened? I thought you guys had more time today. They're like, yeah, dad, I just, I felt like maybe it's just a little too much. I don't want to carve pathways, So we decided to go outside. I was mm-hmm. like, wow. Okay, cool. It's working.
1: We are so thrilled to have Mickey Wallace join us once again on the Empower Hour. Mickey is a husband, father, and a remarkable man with a vision and a mission. He is a respected author, award-winning investigative filmmaker, and the founder and CEO of the production company, Elevate. Mickey is a freedom fighter who is on the front lines, correcting false media narratives and exposing many of America's biggest scandals. The Plandemic documentary series is an outstanding example of the dedication and perseverance of Mickey and his team, and we are so grateful that he is able to join us this evening. Will you all please help me welcome Mickey Willis. Mickey, welcome to the Empower Hour.
0: Thank you.
2: Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Heather. Mickey, it's so good to have you on. (laughs) That uh, was a bit of a shuffle tonight, right? We're super happy to have you on the show. And um, actually, we were watching the Plandemic uh, 3, The Great Awakening, and it was amazing how silent the chat was. Everybody was just mesmerized by what you've put together there. It is absolutely brilliant. And I believe that what it, it does is it helps to put into perspective what is happening globally. Who uh, are the bad actors behind this? And then I think a really important element of this one is the psychological angle and how they were able to get this mass formation and get people to go along with it. And I think that's very well uh, revealed in the film.
0: Thank you so much.
2: All right. So, um I guess there's uh, a, a number of questions that I have. I mean, Saturday night was a huge event. How on the big red carpet and the premiere, and I understand that millions of people were viewing the show. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. Yeah, and I have to. I just have to say a huge thank you to Dell Bigtree and its high wire who pulled off probably. One of the most incredible red carpet events, uh, it was Oscar level, you know, Golden Globe level uh, production that they brought to that show. And it was incredible because, you know, my goal was really to to um, to say kind of a in your face to the media and all the gatekeepers who tried to shut us down to to actually show them. And to thank them very much for all the censorship, because without them, I don't think uh, so many people around the world would have uh, taken the time to seek out the movies and and watch them. Um, So but it was a very successful night. And the feedback since then has been so far beyond what I thought it would be. I I, I couldn't be more delighted with uh, what people are receiving from this movie.
2: Well, it truly was uh, and is phenomenal. And I think it's only the beginning as, you know, it's, you've got it up on the webpage now. And a lot of people who couldn't attend on Saturday night um, in the chat, as we were viewing it, people are saying, you know, more people need to see this and want to share it. Where can I, you know, find this video? So we're going to make sure that when we post this video, it will be below in the description. And we encourage people to watch it and share it and watch it several times because you become educated on the issues. And uh, I think then it compels you that you can no longer just ignore it, stick your head in the sand. You've got to get actively involved in your freedom and in the freedom for your children.
0: Absolutely, one of the one of the most important messages that I hope people take away from that is exactly that. Um, actively involved in every aspect of our lives because as we have learned, every aspect of our lives have been infiltrated by people who don't have our best interest at heart. And so it's really important that people start to see themselves as more more than just a citizen and really as a leader themselves and stop waiting for some other leader to come in and fix things for you because it will never happen, never has, never will. And what will work is when we all get involved in our school boards and our local politics and we start to have an influence on those very corrupt institutions and um, and. You know that that's that's the only way we're going to do it and as as to move from citizen being um what what they call us consumers to creators you know they've labeled us as consumers that's that's what they refer to us as because all all they see us as are people who consume their products who consume what they're selling and so we have to see ourselves as creators it's very two different very action very different actions from those those two choices Is you know, consumption takes and creation gives. And so what can we give to our planet? What can we give to our community? What can we give to our nation, to our family, to our friends, to our people? Um, you have a gift. We all have a gift. And mm-hmm. so what is your gift? And and how 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 do you reactivate that if it's lying dormant right now? And most people it is because they were lulled into... Jobs just to just to maintain their lives and kind of uh, you know led led away from uh, their dream and their passion and yeah uh, and if you you know in the film I suggest uh, getting back to what we knew as children. What I mean by that is you know when we're when we're children you know there's a reason that when we play make believe we we don't necessarily play the burger flipper guy. We play you know important archetypes. We play princess. We play superhero. We play you know, um, fireman, and whatever it might be, doctor, and because these are the first archetypes that we experience as a child of people that are actually making a difference. You know, when we see the fireman get the cat out of the tree, we go, wow, that guy, that, that he did something wonderful. When we see the doctor do something, we say, oh, she just helped me. When we when we see the ballerina on stage, and they're performing with their body and making people cry, we, we realize how uh, our impact that we have, the potential of impact that we have on a, on each other. And then we just kind of, you know, get pulled away from that. And we start to live these lives of maintenance. And, um, and it's that lack of meaning that has uh, really at the foundation of all of this. Because when you have it, uh, when you're leading a meaningless life, and then something like COVID-19 comes along, and they say, you can be a righteous one, you can be a good one, you can be a hero, just put on a mask and shame all of those who don't. Then suddenly now you have, you're in a tribe, you're in a community, and you can look at each other, thumbs up, we're the good ones, right? And that's ultimately what is called collectivism, which we talk about a lot of the dangers of collectivism, which ultimate, ultimately lead to groupthink. And groupthink is very dangerous because this country was built on the sovereign individual. And um, it has been cleared uh, it has, it has away from that to where we now have a, a system of mob rules where the individual gets trampled on.
2: You know, that is uh, what you've just stated is very profound and very true. And the consumerism, I I think about all of the dollar stores that have popped up everywhere and all of the product coming from China and how everybody has become reliant on, uh, you know, either foreign entities to provide our needs. But it comes back to, I think, a reflection on what are our actual needs and I know that uh, crazy Klaus Schwab's and his mob like to talk about the Great Reset, but I don't think it's actually going as planned because people are going back to their roots and they're having to take a look at what is actually most important in your life. And um, I'm, I'm even in these past years taking a different look at, for instance, Christmas, It's not about a Christmas tree. It's not about the decorations on your house. This is about the richness of family and celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, who came into this world and uh, offered us such gifts. And uh, I also love the part that you said, when we think about consumerism and those gifts and talents that are innate. My son loved Lego. He's a master at it. And, you know, he ends up that he likes to build and uh, to fix things. And I nurtured that in him because those are gifts of a man. And I think that they're very important um, that that parent's Focus on those gifts when you see them first beginning. Uh, a passion for animals can lead to such good work in the future as well for people with pets. It's it's just so far ranging, isn't it?
0: It, it certainly is. And and even on the flip side of that is all these kids that are be, being called attention deficit disordered and, and ADHD and all of that, um, that's typically... Had they had all those labels when I was a kid, I absolutely would have been um, diagnosed as one of them because my all my teachers could call me. And it was every year they told would tell my parents and teachers conference, they would say, your son's a daydreamer. And so this was a problem. Right. And the truth of the matter was, I was very uninterested in what they were teaching. I, I had other plans and other things I wanted to learn. So, yes, I'd look out the window a lot and dream and sketch and, and think about something that was far more interesting than than, you know, Whatever it is that they were that they were trying to teach, um, and and so whenever my kids have when something arises where they're hyperactive or what, whatever it might be, I always try to find a way that we can channel that into something useful. Or I try to find out like why why do you get so antsy in this moment? What what is it about this that you don't like or that you do like that you get so excited? And what can we build around that so that you can um, further explore whatever that gift is that's wanting to bloom inside you i can't tell you what it is and and at their young age uh, they they can't even tell me what it is but the more opportunity we give it like keep watering that soil keep letting the sun hit it and give it all the nutrients that it needs suddenly something blooms you know and i have an 11 year old who's just turned into this incredible and took us by surprise you know and wanted a piano and i thought well if Hopefully, you won't do with it what you've done with a lot of things I bought, which is it's super cool for two weeks and then it sits in a closet. All parents know that. And um, But he was so interested in music that, you know, it's it's the one thing that he does. Like I would have to – I wanted him to play baseball because he's really good and I was coaching. But but that was something I, I found myself having to be careful that I, I didn't want to push him into it, you know. But once, once my boys are committed to something, they have to keep their word and stick with it. So mm-hmm. um, they can't just drop out because it's a commitment and it's their word that they and they, they're, they're taught that their word is solid. And and um, but piano is the one thing that um, he'll disappear and go do on his own uh, many hours a day. It's such a passion of his. And I wouldn't have guessed that. And not only we only found that through letting them explore what what they were into.
2: Right. That's awesome. I, I saw those two beautiful young men standing on stage with you at the end of the, uh, at the end of the movie and with your beautiful wife and, uh, you know, just, just, the opportunity for them I 'm sure they absolutely adore and love and appreciate you so much even at a young age uh, they must have some understanding right of the magnitude of what you 're doing and what you've produced here and I know that you 've given testimony before um, just as we were coming onto the show with you like I said to the viewers that will see this afterwards we were watching the actual uh, great Awakening movie and when you came on we stopped at the area where they were in the school systems and it indoctrinating children with the critical race theory and then as well, uh, you know, uh, sitting these young children on mats in the school system and pumping their heads filling it with hate. And, you know, they're not teaching our kids to think critically, but I know that you have stories of how you're training your kids up that even if they're watching TV or watching a program to be wise, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think there's parents here who some would find it easy just to leave the, you know, the TV on and let their kids have at it, but they don't have the maturity and the capacity to have that responsibility.
0: Absolutely. I, I appreciate you asking this question because I, I know what story you'd like me to tell. And, and it was a real learning moment for me a, as a parent um, because I recognize and my wife and I will talk a lot of, you know, as I say, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and expecting different results. And sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll find ourselves in these moments of, of frustration because it's like I, I tell you this all the time. And instead of just getting mad and expecting them to suddenly hear something that they haven't been able to hear before, we'll stop and say, why don't we take the responsibility and try another approach? And so, um, you know, we were going through that typical thing that all parents are going through these days. Uh, We allowed our boys to sample with their iPads and start to play some relatively harmless video games. Um, and then we noticed that it started to become an addiction where they were, a lot of their conversations were about the game. And then they were, you know, they couldn't wait for the weekend to come cause that's when they get to play and, and everything, you know, we'd be on a mini vacation and they'd rather stay in the room because it's a weekend and they get, they get two hours apiece, you know? And, and so we said, okay, this is becoming We're starting to have to remind them, you know, of why it's not good for them. I watched a couple of documentaries with them about the, about what happens and, you know, internet obsession with young people and all that. And, And that was effective to a certain degree, but it wasn't until I decided to use. For some reason, my, my mind has always um, really learned from metaphors. Uh, metaphors really work for me, and I think that's the original way that our minds were designed to learn—not by words and sentences, but by by, by symbology. And so, it's important as, as parents to understand that if that is our organic way of that our minds were designed, we have to use more metaphors. And so one day, I set my sons down and I said, "Listen." I don't want to make this a negative thing, guys. I don't want to, I don't want to, I know you enjoy this so much. So I don't want to make it this thing where you guys are for it. Mom and dad are against it. and it becomes this weird back and forth battle between us. So let me tell you a little story. I said, imagine what a, a virgin wheat field would look like. Do you know what that means? And, and at the time, my, my son, he just turned nine, but he was eight. He said, um, what does virgin mean? I said, "It means untouched. And he, I said, so what would an untouched wheat field look like? And they said, "Ah, oh, a bunch of beautiful wheat, like golden wheat in a field. And I said, yeah. And I said, and, and what would happen if you walked through that field of wheat? And they said it would make a little pathway. And I said, what do you mean by that? And they said, well, it would trample down some of the wheat and you could see the pathway. And I'd say, and then, and then what would happen with that pathway? And they said, uh, it would probably bounce back. It would come back the wheat would pop up. And I said, you're right. But what happened if you walked that path every day for the next three years? And then all your friends started following you down that path. What would happen? And they said, it would become kind of like the hiking trail we go on where it's just dirt. And I said, yeah, it would. And I said, so your mind has neuro, what they call neuro pathways. And the more you walk down those pathways, the more you will carve permanent ruts, permanent trails. And that that wheat will never grow back there. That will become a permanent trail the more repetition happens. So you have neural pathways in your mind. And what happens is when you carve a rut in that wheat field, but I'm talking about your mind, then it becomes, I said, if you've ever seen water go downhill, it'll find the rut and it'll will, it will stay in that rut together and it will find that path of least resistance. And and what happens in your minds when you're carving these neural pathways is that rut becomes. A, a funnel for information because it's carved through so much reputation repetition, that these people that are out there trying to do harm to cor- control our minds, they'll use that rut to push in their information and you won't even have a chance because it'll just flow right through that mm-hmm. well-carved path. And so you have to be careful not to carve these repetitive paths in your neural pathways. Give them a break. Let the, let the wheat grow back. You know, fire off new synapses and all that stuff with new ideas and new thoughts and curiosity, but be careful of anything you, you do that causes a permanent path to be carved in the, in the way that you think, um, because it will change the direction of your life and you will lose dominion over your choices. And they said, what is dominion, dad? I said, it's, it's you will lose the power to choose. Do you understand mm-hmm. that? And then, and then you will look for others to tell you their choices and you'll follow them. And that's what's happening with most of our people, and I don't want that to happen to you. And then at that point on, it became very interesting where um, they started to govern themselves. And I would say, "What happened?" I thought you guys had more time today. They're like, "Yeah, Dad, I just I felt like maybe it's just a little too much. I don't want to carve neural pathways, so we decided to go outside." I was Mm -hmm. like, "Wow, okay, cool, it's working."
2: Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful story. And I think it can be used on like you say, such a broader scale. That's what's happened to society, right? That group think, and um, you are teaching your boys to think critically, and that they have a choice in the direction, you know, that their life will go. And for myself, this is not quite as um, eloquent a story, but I've also wanted my kids to be uncompromising in what they view. And they would make that excuse, there would be something in a, in a movie that we were watching. And you know, there was a swear word. And I'm like, you, you know, we had our Friday night sitting down and having movie night with popcorn or making pizzas growing up and uh, spending time at my sister's farm. Uh, that was the life we had. Uh, my kids didn't get cell phones. That's right i I was worried that they were gonna you know uh, call child services or something on me for child abuse, but you know what they made it through, and they never had a cell phone until they were old enough to pay for one and I really believe that that was a very good decision. I know some people need it for protection but on the story that I have as far as making good choices and just, well, you know, it was just a little bit, I called it my poop in the soup story. And we had three dogs. It was a party in this house. <laughs> I, I I just love the dogs. And everybody had to take a turn cleaning up the yard. And I make the best, oh, speaking of, <laughs> here comes a little guy now. Um, I made the best chicken noodle soup. And ah, so I sa- said to them, all right, sorry about that. I don't know how Benny that's got a- loose. <laughs> That's
0: all right. Benny's cute. Hi,
2: Benny. Yeah. And um, so anyways, I said to the kids, okay, well, how about this? They love my chicken noodle soup. And so what if my turn was out and I was, you know, doing the, the, um, chore in the backyard with dog poop and a little bit fell into the soup that I was making. And I put these delicious bowls of soup in front of the kids. And I said, Oh, by the way, it's just, it was just a little bit, I don't know who's going to get it, but you know what you make up your mind. And I tell you that that story has stuck with them. And I said, that is the compromise that you make. If, if it's not good enough in this scenario, think about those decisions that you're making that are going to affect your life and what you're making excuses for and, uh, you know, downplaying And and that has been pervasive in society is that you know our kids are exposed to so much that they need to be able to have a solid ground in making decisions. What's the bar? What's the scale? What you know? And uh, it has to be relational. (laughs) And that's why I say it wasn't near as eloquent a story of yours. But you know, it's had that effect. Is that uh, you know we have to take the time with our kids to help them and raise them in the way that they should go. And uh, as the Bible says, if you do that, they won't you know, stray from it. Maybe for a little bit as they rebel, and uh, but they always come back, right? So that's amazing. Now, about Plandemic 3, I mean, you made uh, Plandemic 1, and you must have gone, wow, whew, that was a huge project, and I think it had unprecedented views, correct? Yeah, and-
0: it, it, it became the most seen independent movie in history, which took us all by surprise.
2: It's incredible. And then you went to Plandemic Two. And then what what prompted you to move forward with Plandemic Three?
0: Well, you know, the the story continues and it was recognizing that what we were learning from Plandemic One and Two that Pandemic One really focusing on Anthony Fauci and the direct situation regarding COVID and and, and Testimony from Judy Mikovits, who'd worked under the NIH and under Anthony Fauci that could testify to his character and that um, something bad was about to take place. That's what pandemic one was about, a, a real warning. Pandemic two is following the patent trails to prove that, this, that the virus was created through gain-of-function research, very dangerous uh, form of, of scientific research that happens in a lab where they take a a, a, a virus and make it even more uh, deadly, or or they can enhance its its virality, its, its 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 ability to spread and and attack the body, and and um, and all of this is was paid for. Uh, he lied under oath. Matter of fact, uh, by Anthony Fauci, it was paid for by Anthony Fauci through the NIH, and we traced all that back um, and showed everyone the receipts through patents and all of that, and so. That kind of led me down. Um, uh, well, it kind of left me in this place of realizing, okay, we've done our part here to have people understand that this was a pandemic. That, that, that this was that this is what our um, elected and unelected, selected leaders do: is they they either create a crisis and then capitalize on it, or or they wait for an organic crisis to happen, as they say, never let a good crisis go to waste, and then they. Use it to justify a bunch of new legislation and rules and to get people kind of groomed into accepting things that they otherwise would not accept. So now now the government can tell you to stay in your home, to not drive, to close down your store. Um, they, they, they start to get everyone primed in use all in the name of pub, you know public safety and health and all, all the BS that, that they use to justify these new rules um and then people get used to that and so it's like okay now the government's actually telling us what to wear that's kind of new okay we have to wear a mask okay there's really no evidence that it works and there's actually a lot of evidence suggesting that it doesn't work and and even that it might be harmful Mm -hmm. and uh yet the government said it so it must be right you know so we trust in authority we move forward and and so that primes people to to obey uh obeying authority but i didn't want to leave it there so because i thought if people just think this is about covid because a lot of people were telling me oh it's all about you know the you know profit it's all about the big pharma profiting well that's that's a stage that matters to some people on a certain level but that is not even close to what it's about it's about a much much bigger agenda and so i just felt obligated that we needed to do at least the number 3 to inform the people of what covid was used to advance advance, which, which is a, a decades old, if not 100 plus years old agenda, to take down the strongest nation in the world, the nation that has become the firewall for the rest of the world. What I mean by that is, there's a, a, an agenda by a very few, they call themselves elite, um, very wealthy and powerful people who um, aren't satisfied with just controlling their own nations. They want global trade. They want global banking and they want to be able to control the people. They they now see the people as a, a nuisance because we're reaching a stage of automation and where the worker bees were very needed before, they don't see them as needed anymore. So what do we do with all these people that are going to be at a lot of them out of a job within the next 10 years? What do we do with them? And so, um, you know, they're going to find some other way uh, to profit off of our, our labor. But the only way that they can control us is to, keep us out of the rural areas and learning how to grow our own food and capture our own rain and push us into what they call smart cities or 15 minute cities where we're under total surveillance. And what's, what's uh, the Cato uh, uh, Institute just did a, um a study of, of millennials, 30% of millennials voted in favor of having security cameras in homes to monitor people. And so That's a very scary thing to consider that we have the next generation that's going to be coming into the world of politics and the workforce is in favor of mandatory cameras inside homes. Now, of course, it was posed if they just said cameras in homes, probably very few of them would have said yes. But of course they wrap it inside a benevolent brand, right? They say, if this were to prevent domestic abuse and violence that happens in the home place, would you, of course because that's how they do it, right? So it's always, you know, it's, it's going to solve some problem and help, you know, battered women. Sure, then we want cameras in homes. But the politicians know that they just have to scare people enough and give them a, enough of a false solution so that we go, okay, yeah, you can take our liberties away and, and, and you can put a camera in my home and we'll be watched 24-7, just like they do in China. Um, and, uh, but I think, you know, uh, I know Canadians and I know Americans are waking up to that. Oh yeah. And fighting back.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, last week we did a special on smart cities and a gentleman named Jeff Snitzer came on and he's just he's a father and he's an informed citizen and he got busy and he put together a presentation that's brilliant. And in the city of Kamloops in British Columbia, it's a smaller town, it's, it's not massively huge, uh, but it showed how advanced the cities already were within their infrastructure with all of these different layers of policies to um, implement the road closures. And, uh, you know, um, as we know that during COVID was a great excuse and a great time for them to set up the 5G towers and cameras, as we've seen them go up on. Mass. and i think when this is all un- goes begins to undo as it is i mean people are going to be ripping those down as they have in the uk um i put a an appeal out to people last week saying you know what why would you have security cameras in your house i mean we've seen on the laptops we've seen um it, it was a special that was done with an investigative reporting uh, program and it showed teenage girls with their laptop up and the this reporter and investigator had come down and this individual just hit a few keys and right there they were in the bedroom of their teenage daughter viewing everything that they were doing. And and so for one, always tape your camera, do something, never have it up, closed, close it, but how much more so with cameras in your home? And, you know, where you think, well, I want to see what my dog is doing. And funny, true story. The only time that I'd say this was a, (laughs) it's actually hilarious. uh, The pastor of the former church that I was attending, unfortunately, he was one of the ones that shut his doors during COVID. So that was it for me. But he had a a puppy and it was a a bulldog. And uh, she ended up jumping up with the stove and hitting the burner (laughs) and turning it on and there was something on the burner, and he was a half-hour drive away. So he broke the law, and he did excessive speed to get home. But, you know, that's a funny story, and in in that instance, it may have worked. But I just encourage everybody, get your cameras out of your homes and, uh, you know, understand, uh, you know, the direction that this is going towards your own demise. Uh, Sometimes people are their own worst enemy, I'm finding, in the last three years. What do you have to say about that, Mickey?
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. So another thing that we feature in the film is some little history lesson of other dictators, other... other, Pay attention to history and, and what people like from Mussolini to Hitler to Stalin to Mao Zedong. These dictators would not have been able to achieve anything if it weren't for them enrolling their citizens into their cults and having them do the dirty work for them. Just consider the Hitler's youth, Mussolini's black shirts, Lenin's Red Army, Mao's Red Guards. They need the masses of people, which they often refer to as useful idiots. That's how they talked about them, because they're useful idiots. They're they're stupid to what's going on. I was one of them. Um, But they're useful, because they're going to do the dirty work for the bad guys. And so... You know, we have to wake up from that. Um, at the core of it is, is something that I consider quite beautiful. At the core of it is our intrinsic desire to be connected with each other. This is what causes us to, to kind of abandon our critical thinking ability and surrender to these tribes, to these collectives. Because we really want to be connected with each other. We, a lot of us feel disconnected. A lot, a lot of people go to work. Come home, same routine, they might have two or three friends, and they might see them on the weekends sometimes, um, but they see a lot of digital screens and not a lot of human life, and they feel more and more disconnected, disconnected from nature, disconnected from their their nature their themselves disconnected from humanity itself and so um, when you have people in that state that's what I, that's the beautiful part is is our understanding that that's really a part of our nature. And so, if we can now channel that into something good, because these bad guys have been using it for bad, they know that that's an intrinsic, primal need of humanity. And so, they use that and they turn the people, they give them some purpose to come and get involved in something. And then they ultimately turn the people against each other. And then what has happened throughout history in every single case is those useful idiots are then the first ones that are eliminated or put in labor camps. And right. so they're destroyed after they've done all the dirty work for, for these dictators. Um, but if you, I ask the question within the Great Awakening, I say, how, how, how does a handful of autocrats take total control of 1.4 billion people? And that, that would be China. Mm-hmm. If, if 1.4 billion people woke up to remember their power, and and started directing their energy towards the real bad guys. As you said, they're confused about who are the bad guys and who are the good guys. Directed it towards those few, those maybe a few hundred, maybe a couple thousand um, people that are running and ruining their lives. They could make massive change overnight. They could abolish their their communist country, right, and uh, or their co- communist um, government, um, and they could they could rebuild. Um, in a, from a, a place of, of true care for the people, uh, but it's this it's we've seen it. You've seen it in Canada. We've certainly seen it here in the United States. You know, my former party—I was a hardcore, you know, pro- progressive Democrat—and it's unbelievable to me that you know you can see the hypocrisy so clearly. We can all see it, but they can't see it because they're in a state of hypnosis you know the same people that were out marching my body my choice on saturday were then turned around and were marching for um mandated vaccines on sunday and and insane. you know we all look at that and just go what how, how how do you not see that you're fighting for the dominion of your body on one day and then telling everyone to surrender the dominion of their body the next day do you see this like how and i don't think they're stupid people make the mistake all the time we have to stop them. It's stop demoralizing and dehumanizing each other, even when we witness somebody doing something clearly illogical. It's this, um, this story that we've been telling, and I know I'm guilty of it all the time. Like, I just want to go, God, these people are so stupid. Are you kidding me? But we have to stop because it's not stupidity. Um, these programs are actually designed for highly intelligent, and deeply mm-hmm. caring people. And um, so they were designed for people with influence and they and and most highly intelligent people have been um educated through some kind of a government program even if it's just university and so they have they bow to authority they bow to professor they bow to anybody that has more stripes than they they have and that's a very dangerous place to be and so that's why in so many cases it was mothers and fathers and farmers and people that work with their hands that weren't necessarily educated by the government that were the first ones to say Wait a minute. Wait, what's going on here? I don't know if I'm going to participate in this. You're going to put what in your body, and it's never been done before? And and the trials, this doesn't sound wise. I'm going to wait. Mm -hmm. And it's like it was typically the people that, you know, then you see the Neil deGrasse Tyson's of the world and these uber-intelligent astrophysicists and the Sam Harris's that were the first ones to just shame everybody for not following the consensus of science. Science is not a consensus. It never has been. It never will be. That just tells you that they're locked into the f- framework of collectivism. They see everything as a group choice. If they exercise their own individual intelligence, those men would be incredible in this fight. Um, I, I, but but I, they're not. They go, they go with the herd.
2: Yeah, and I agree. And I would said pre-COVID, well, we were fighting a fight on on immigration of certain individuals that were coming into Canada that were definitely causing harm. And, uh, you know, their motives um, are to overtake. And so we were bringing awareness. And what they were doing, and the government was doing already back then, as you said, for decades, is they were using our virtues as a nation against us. And we have been very welcoming, hospitable uh, people and uh, very giving and and almost now to a fault and I would go further to say with these intellects, uh, I believe what it is 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 being an intelligent person is is not the win. Having wisdom is having knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And I know that in Proverbs in the Bible, they talk about these as being finer than gold and jewels. And you can see right now, especially in the last uh, three years, that the individuals with the, with the wisdom, like I'm talking biblical type of wisdom where you can foresee, you see what's coming, and you're already responding. And you have the understanding and you have that discernment. Discernment is incredible in this atmosphere right now to discern between the good and evil. And, um, you know, with Action for Canada, we've, as I, I mentioned to you earlier, and um, Terenzio, actually, would you bring up, um, let me share a screen for just a minute, because I think this is a good time, because at the end of your video, you were talking about solutions, i oh, sorry about that, and again, I just want everybody to see, this is the solution, I believe, that Um, Mickey is talking about and that the individuals who are seeking freedom, we need to get into every town and community and we need to work together. We need to be parents supporting one another. It's a 911 call. Okay. Thank you, Terenzio. It is a 911 call to get our kids out of the public and private education system. We need to get them into literally, truly safe spaces to learn. And parents can do that in an hour and a half in a day compared to six or seven hours what they're doing at school. And you know that they will truly be safe. In those communities, we're raising up incredible leaders to run for office and helping them to get elected. And you know what? Can you just um, build on that a little bit more, uh, Mickey, when you were at the end of the the movie and you were talking about that collectively people coming together with a united goal
0: well that's that's what's important is that we understand that you know there's this there's a sense of you know what can we do what power do i have well we have infinite power together as we are siloed off into these lonely little um people in lockdown with our tribe or, or with a fake tribe, a tribe that we know that the moment we disagree with them, we're out. So it's a fragile relationship that forces us to comply with uh, their every move. Um, that doesn't feel natural to us. There's nothing good about that. Um, that, that is a forced compliance situation. And so um, it, is, it is very important that we recognize that there is power in numbers. And so we see a lot of stuff happening here in the States and beyond. It's global at this point. We see the boycotts that are happening and so this is a a really wonderful beginning of something because it's forcing um there are a lot of companies that have been lured into um following coerced into following these ideologies through a system called esg and so environmental social governance is a new program that was that poses as environmental you know of course again right it has to pose itself as something that cares about the environment so formulated through the same usual characters from klaus schwab and world economic forum and all these globalists Um, they created this whole ranking system so it's very similar to china's social credit score but it's for corporations and for nations and so what they basically did is they got all the bankers involved which wasn't easy for them to do because they realized that all the nations and uh, a lot of people are in debt and our debt is owned by china so there's a lot of financial issues that they're facing now and they're really going to be facing within the next five years And so in order for them to kind of maintain their empires, uh, the the World Economic Forum developed environmental social governance, and it's a ranking system. And they basically then tell all the investors and all the banks only invest in people with high ESG scores and ignore the rest. Mm -hmm. So you're going to drive them out of business. What does it mean to have a high ESG ranking? Well, it means you follow. all the woke rules, basically. So gender and inclusion and, and and all the, you know, you have to hire based upon skin color and sex, and you have to have, you know, uh, human resources come in and train everybody with CRT and to shame all the white people to realize they're all the oppressors and convince all the people of color that they're all the oppressed. And that ultimately they turn on their own, the very person who gave them the job. They start seeing the boss as the master. And, and so then they start demanding changes within the business and, um, and it, it becomes so difficult for these business owners and some of them are good people. Some of them, you know, I mean, there are a lot of super greedy people who, who use people as slave labor. And I think that uh, all of them should be brought to justice, but I'm talking about hardworking people who have created some type of a service that is useful for all of our lives and thus it became successful and now they employ 6000 people <clears throat> they give them jobs those jobs feed their families pay for their cell bill for the car the, the car payment for their homes they they provided jobs for people so they can live their life and have some form of sovereignty but they're ultimately forced to turn on the the their bosses turn on the upper uh, the the people in the upper suites because they're they're Convinced that they are the bad ones because they have more than you. And so that's what communism, you know, Marxism, as I show in the movie, all of socialism of today and, and communism today is really based on the ideologies of a man named Karl Marx lived in the 1800s. And, and so when you have leaders of Black Lives Matter coming out publicly saying, we are Marxists, then it's a very important when they make that statement, they say, we are trained Marxists. Well, everybody should have ran and done some, a history lesson on, well, then who is Marx? What is Marxism? What is it? And if you discover that Marxism is literally the political ideology that all the dictators, all the communist dictators, the most deadliest men that have ever lived, have, have all praised Marxism because it's a, it's a power grab. It is the way that you convince the people to do your dirty work and to um, – that all the people at top at the top – Except for, of course, the elite that are running this, but all the rest should be taxed into uh, out of their wealth is ulti- ultimately what happens. Through so Karl Marx had a statement. He said, "Communism can be summed up in a single sentence: abolition of private property." And if you understand that, and as we show in the movie, then you'll understand. I can speak from United States perspective. Why did they allow? Giant stores to stay open, and mom and pop shops were forced to close. Interesting. Why was everyone part of the lockdown in their homes, but everyone was encouraged to go to the streets and be part of the BLM movement. Interesting. You go on down the line. Why does San Francisco allow people to steal up to nine hundred and eighty dollars or so, and you can't prosecute them? So every day, Walgreens and Neiman Markets and all these stores are closing because Whole Foods is closing. Because people go in and they steal twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of stuff. And they walk out and they the cops will do nothing. There's nothing you can do. There's video all over the internet of people riding bicycles in with garbage bags, pushing everything in a bag, and the security guard just filming them. You know, and that's it. And so what happens when that happens for six months? Well, the company goes out of business. And then what happens? I'm getting to a point here. All of it is about the abolition of private property. Why did they why did our vice president, Kamala Harris, and other celebrities bail looters and rioters out of jail. Why were they encouraging them to loot and riot? Why were Nancy Pelosi and CNN and MSNBC saying, hey, people got to do what they got to do. If they get violent, they want to take down statues, they want to do stuff. It's good because that, that's the people's right to to protest. And, 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 and they were encouraging this. And why is that? Because there's no quicker way to abolish private property than to destroy it. When a riot happens in a town, the property values plummet. These investors come in, gobble it up for pennies on the dollar. When the stores close in San Francisco, because every day people are shoplifting and and no one can be prosecuted, the stores go, forget it, we're gone. People They gobble up the property. And and right now, there's more single-family homes being bought by major companies like BlackRock and all these, all these giant investment firms are buying up all the single-family homes. And as we already know, Bill Gates is the largest owner of farmland in the U.S. They're buying all the property.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That is communism. And yeah, that is the goal. Because if we, if we own nothing, like the World Economic Forum says, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. I always say half of that sentence is true. You won't mm-hmm. be happy, but you'll, you will own nothing. And they're trying Mm -hmm. to prep everybody that it's a good thing. Rent everything. Why would you want to own? Just rent, live in a tiny home, be responsible, live in a 15-minute city. You'll never have to drive. You just walk everywhere you want to go. They're conditioning everyone to, to settle for very little while they own everything else.
2: Yeah, I've called it the greatest heist in the history of the world. What's going down right now, right? This wealth transfer that's been taking place in the background. And again, that's where that critical thinking, that's where wisdom has come in. I've got a friend and she's renting for $3,600. It's it's a fairly large house, but she's got her elderly mom and dad, a disabled um, older brother, and then she's got her aunt living with her. She has uh, basically adopted a young man who's now 15. Fifteen years old who had he was being lost in the system and she's got a young son herself and so the um, homeowner has requested that they leave within three months because he's got family moving in she's trying to find a home right now comparable fifty six hundred dollars it's gone up $2,000. How is she supposed to sustain and keep her family together? The aunt is helping. They, she's pulled both, under these circumstances, she's po- pulled both of these boys out of school and to teach them at home. And uh, the other day, three of the cousins have announced at 12 and 11 years old or whatever, you know, that they're, that they're trans are questioning their um, sexual identity. And and so she's doing all of this good work. And yet there is nothing within our government that's helping or assisting. We've got homelessness throughout America and Canada on the rise. Trudeau is bringing in half a million immigrants. We need to put a moratorium on immigration because it's not Sustainable. I hate that word. None, none of this is sustainable. It's all just, um, uh, you know, a mockery of the English language and the use of words. And it's got to stop. And it's, it's become very, very serious. And and we just need to do what we're doing and educating people, giving them direction. And then one of those directions that we can take back those rights and freedoms and not be victimized. That's another thing, too, is I've been calling out the LGBTQ. And this is how you know the government and the LGBTQ are full of it about making schools safe and taking care of our children is what person who's a victim thrives? They don't. You want to treat everybody equally. You want to tell them that they can be anything they set their mind to. Abuse is a horrible thing, and, you know, I can give firsthand testimony of that. If I'd allowed my abuse in childhood to uh, define who I was going to be as a woman in adulthood, I would have remained a victim. And one at one point in my life, I thought the defining moment for me was I'll be a victim as long as I choose to be a victim up here, right? Because you have to be free. And so I was just going to close in what I'm saying here is that, you know, with all of them buying out these corporations with Walmart and Costco and the thing that we can do in Bud Light and Target are good examples of this are boycott them. Just everybody collectively work together and we can destroy these corporations in this global agenda. So we're getting there. And, you know, we had a big walkout the other day that uh, Campaign Life Coalition had called on for June 1st. They kind of did it rapidly. Then organization that we partner with in Canada, as well as Parents as First Educators. And, you know, we decided that, uh, you know, to get the word out for parents to keep their kids out of school on the first day of June in opposition to the raising of the pride flag and all things LGBTQ. And we've been calling parents to pull their kids out of school and then giving them the resources regarding homeschooling. That's one thing I want to talk to you about. Um, sorry, I've just kind of gone in a couple of uh, directions there. But you have done something magnificent within your community of building a school.
0: <clears throat>
2: You've taken that's this right. to yeah, the my... <clears throat> next level.
0: <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's really what we all need to do is when we see a problem, it's stop waiting for somebody else to to create it. Uh, we created a homeschooling co-op because we just knew that we, we didn't have the 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 time to homeschool our kids the way that we prefer them to be homeschooled. And we don't want them just to be at home all the time. And I know that homeschool is much more than that. Um we wanted them to associate with a lot of other kids and and uh and so we created a homeschool co op. And it's in its uh it's over a year ago now and it's been doing doing really incredible. Uh, the kids are thriving in all ways. And we teach them to lead each other to really to be leaders themselves and, and, and to work um, and to be independent thinkers. And um, it's it's been really uh, an amazing experience to watch what's possible. Uh, because it's, you know, as you've, as you've stated, and you've said so many times, you know, it's, um, they, they really are attacking our children. And they've been attacking our children at the collegiate age for a number of years. But in the past few years, it's really been diverted down to our babies now. And when you're indoctrinated uh, during your formative years, that's a very tough thing to come back from. And they know that. And so um, that has to be stopped. I think that that was a that drew a line for a lot of parents. I think a lot of people left, left the Democratic Party because of that here in the United States. They saw that happening They uh, as as concerned parents, they recognize that, you know, um, even even the ones that were really open-minded, even the ones who said, listen, I'm, I'm you can marry whoever you want to marry, do whatever you want to do, but why are you bringing this stuff into the, into the school? And why is my child coming home saying that we're bad, mommy, because we're white? And do you know how, how, you know, the horrible things we've done? Like, why would a seven-year-old want to hold that view of who who and what they are? And it's just it's just it's it is so evil. It is so horrible that you would get into the minds of kids um, and and just just to really give them that perspective, because when you understand how the mind works, we always find what we're looking for. And I tell people this all the time. It's like you have to be careful of what you adapt as a belief because you'll find it. So if you're a man and you've had a couple of uh, you know harsh relationships and you you now you've developed the idea that women are crazy, I guarantee you're gonna all you're gonna meet is crazy crazy women, and if you think we're all men are dogs as a woman or whatever, you're gonna meet all you're gonna do is attract dogs because we always find what we're looking for, um, and I tell this to my I've had a lot of conversations as you noticed in in the and. In, um, in uh, The Great Awakening, there's a, a lot of people of color in the movie um, because race is one of the main dividing points in the, in the U.S. and beyond. And, uh, and a lot of them share sto- stories of understanding that they have witnessed within their culture. Black people have witnessed within their culture. Um, a couple of them have, have broken this down for me. And I didn't know. As a white man, I didn't know this. They said, you all have your birds and bees story right? You all tell kids, the birds and the bees. We have another story that the black people tell their black children. I said, what is that story? And said, it's when they get old enough, we tell them um, most, most of us have been told somewhere. We tell them of the dangers of, of America. We tell them that they're the police really want to hunt them. We tell them, that uh, that even when the people are smiling of other races in your face, they really hate you. They don't they don't want the best for you. You don't have the same opportunities as as everyone else. Don't fool yourself. This is America. Oh, it, it is systemically racist. And the and then there are the um, the black people that I've interviewed who have said the reason for their success is because they had someone counter that story. Someone mm-hmm. in their life stepped in—an uncle, a brother, a father a neighbor, someone came in and said, has someone told you the story yet? And they go, yeah, forget that story. Because here's the truth. It's all about the choices that you make. And you are loved and you are privileged just like everyone else. And you can be anything that you choose to be. If you adapt that mindset, you will have what I have. If you adapt the other story, you're going to have what your cousins have. You're going to be dead or you're going to be in prison or you're going to be in poverty. And so, whatever story you adapt to, that's what you're going to find in life. And so, if we, just like you said, if we adapt that I'm a victim, then we're always going to be a victim. We're always going to be a victim. We'll find every situation will result in us being victimized. And the moment we give that crap up, give it up to understand we get to decide. We get to decide all of it, Tanya. We get to decide how we engage with AI. Everyone's afraid of AI. I'm not afraid of AI. I use it every day. It's a fantastic, powerful tool. I have never been able to develop some of the things I develop. If you look at the Karl Marx section and all the dictator section, all those photos are developed through AI. Photos of people that don't exist a lot, a lot of times. How, do we, how can we recreate that? A lot of my writing, I get help and I ask the AI, help me, help me polish this writing here. And it does an incredible job. I'm using it. I'll never allow it to use me. And so we get to choose how we engage with it. Technology is not inherently good or bad. It just is technology. It just is. But if we continue to use it the way we use food, the way we abuse sex, the way we abuse our, our language, our words, then it will destroy us. But if we decide to be responsible and not take the bait and not just use it in the trendiest way because everyone else is doing it, but to actually hold some boundaries for how we engage with this technology, it has the potential to free us up. I'll let all the robots do the back-breaking, hard-labor jobs that have just been killing people for generations. Let it free us up so we spend more time with our families, that we spend more time with our faith, that we spend more time in the, in the garden. It has potential to be that for us if we choose responsibly on how we engage with it. It's up to us. Like everything else
2: yeah that's that's amazing um everything in moderation but we have to be as human beings in in control of it and uh when you have individuals like those who are the globalists of course their intentions are nothing but evil in using it as a weapon against us and to gain control and i love it because my dad always said he said you can you can be anything that you choose to be and he always wanted to set our goals, uh, you know, on on a direction, and that if that is your wish and your hope and your desire that you will move towards that, you need to take those steps tangibly towards making that uh, come to fruition. And I always had so appreciated that because at times, you know, our minds can go to a negative place. And it's like, wait a minute, dad said I can be anything, <laughs> you know, that I, I, I choose to be. And the other thing that I need to point out, because it's been so shocking to hear how they've been using, again, this racialized uh, weapon against society as well to divide and conquer. And in Canada, Prior to eight years ago, prior to Justin Trudeau, the majority of Canadians didn't recognize the color of anybody's skin anymore. And you know, mm-hmm. the kids in school, uh, you know, there was multicultures, uh, and I don't mean multiculturalisms, mm-hmm. but I mean children from multicultures attending. And uh, my kids never even thought twice about it. And I always say the difference between these globalists who are fixated on color and my true one and only God is that God doesn't see color he sees the condition of the heart and mind and that's what matters to him it's what matters to me and if we can get society reconditioned to think that way a lot of these issues will disappear quite quite rapidly (laughs) all right it's got to speak uh, truth and hope into the nations
0: incredibly important and on that note well before we leave the subject of race um Quick story that a lot of parents share. And I know this because when I interviewed Dale Bigtree for, uh, for the Great Awakening, he told almost identical. Things. But I bet all, almost all parents have the story. So my, my youngest, yeah. he, he was about five years old. And he came home and he said, Dad, I want to have a play date with AJ. And I said, which one's AJ? And he said, the one with the, he's tan. And I said, "Tan, let's see which one is it? One that sits across from me at the desk and he goes, no, he's got curly hair and he's tan. And now we live 15 minutes from the beach. I'm I'm picturing some little cur- surfer kid, right? I'm like, curly hair, tan. I go, does he sit over like by your teacher? No, dad, he's, he's over. And I'm like, I can't. I'm sorry, buddy. I can't. I've observed your classroom and I can't picture who you're talking about. I said, when I drop you off tomorrow, you point him out to me. And it was a black kid.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and he had no words for it, no words to describe it. He just knew he liked AJ and they had a good connection. I said, absolutely, you can play with AJ. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I did my best to wait as long as possible before I even had a conversation that described any differences. And, and it happened a couple years later where it was finally like, where are they from, Dad? You know, and it's like, okay, great. Let's talk about that. There's different cultures and different people. And we all come from, di- you know, different nations and all that. We had it uh, up until that, they just saw character. They just saw people. Right. They just saw the spirit. And, and that's see- when I say, re- Go ahead. I was just going to say, and that's why I say in the movie that, um, I, I did a podcast yesterday, quite important podcast yesterday, and the host, um, who I just love his work, but he said something about how difficult it is for us to get back on track. And I was like, well, I actually think it's a lot easier. And, I, and as I stay, stayed in the movie, I say, there's only one thing that we really need to do. And it doesn't require us to learn anything new. All we have to do is remember. And this is why our history books, our statues, Everything we've accomplished is being wiped out. Because when we forget who and what we are, most importantly, whose we are, then it, everything's off the table. What our 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 morals, we can be molded into any shape, led to, in any any direction. Because that those markers of our history, of us learning from our mistakes, of us recognizing slavery was horrible. No one, we've all been to some degree, all cultures part of, on both sides of slavery. Let's not do that anymore. We learn from that. Let's not do this anymore. They don't want us to remember. They don't want to have monuments set up. Even if it's a monument of someone negative, people understand that are tearing down the statue. Sometimes we need that. So we recognize and we, rem- we remember how this person led us into trouble and never do it again. But they want right. to wipe all that out because, um, and I'll tell you where I, where I learned this. I spent about 12 years, I was very obsessed with indigenous cultures because my background has been um, really ontology, the study of being. And I, I became obsessed with indigenous people. I, I was just wanted to meet people who weren't so modernized. And so I started to travel around and film people that were lived in top of mountains or deep in the jungle or wherever it might be in caves They still exist. And I was just very intrigued by them. And and almost every time that I would, there was always this initiation process where they have to get, they have to experience you and find out what you're about. Because if you come to exploit them, you're not invited. But they have to feel your energy and feel your intention. And so they would, they would grill me. And they would often ask me, why are you here? And every time that I would say, I'm here, I'm just here to learn. They would say, you guys know too much. What is your obsession with learning? You need to unlearn. Mm -hmm. Unlearn all that stuff because you already knew it as children. You just need to remember what you knew when you came in. You knew who God was. You knew knew when you looked into a, a big person above your crib, when you'd kick your feet and get excited. You knew you're looking into a reflection of creation itself. And so if you could, and then you knew as you got older that you were here for something great. You were here to do something fantastic, something big, something meaningful. And if you could just remember that, instead of trying to put pile new data on, on data until our hard drives are just, you know, overworked, we just come back to something very simple. And that is remembering our humanity, remembering the gift that it is to be alive, remembering how we got here, whose we are, and what we're in service to, and just be that. It is really that simple, but it only becomes difficult because we have made the process of life so difficult because we have steered away from the natural process of the, of of how we of how we engage with our environment.
2: Yeah, and and prioritizing our lives, right? And uh, you know that goes back to what we spoke about earlier about the consumerism and the busyness, and your kids have to be in all of these sports, and you know your mind gets trained to do certain things, and really all of that busyness has been to train us to pull away from God. And I look at it, I, I repeatedly say, you know, that Canada was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, and these are really good values and principles by which we live by. And it sets us apart from totalitarian extremist regimes where there's beautiful people living there, but they're living under tyranny. There's just a different uh, set of values uh, and principles. And so when we start embracing that, uh, society changes there is a, mora- a morality, you know, that when we separate ourselves from God, society society falls. And we bring in all kinds of um, different ideas. And I, I don't know if I'm making my point very clear in my mind, what I'm see, Yeah. In my mind, what I'm seeing is right. Our forefathers had a really good idea when they came to Canada, based our country on biblical principles as they've done in the United States. And so they want to attack every avenue of that because the only way they can is to turn us into a tyrannical state like they've done in those other nations, like China and the 56 Islamic majority countries in Pana- Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Those people want to come here But they need to also be careful as they need to. It's a melting pot in the United States. But in Canada, the governments are focusing on embracing everybody's different cultures, which is increasing that division. And so we really do have to come back to a place where we need to make a decision that we're not a multicultural nation, that we're a nation that's united under the principles and values that Canada was founded on, and that we're definitely mm-hmm. not a secular. And in your, in your movie, you talked about, it said about all those isms, which if anything that ends in an ism is not a good idea, and it does end in on totalitarianism. And so you've got to pick a side, my friends. It's time to pick a side. We need to you know get back to our roots. And um, I made a point that my son, you know, was in hockey. He's a very good hockey player. But I looked at his talent in in as far as his future was concerned. And was I willing to give up every Sunday morning of him going to church and being mentored and being fed the word of God? Um over being distracted, you know, with sports as well. And I find that that's something with the busyness of where people have gone as well. That's just, it's like society has gone so crazy. It's all so busy. And I long for the days of how I was brought up. <laughs> simple, right? On a farm very, with animals.
0: Very, very simple. And I, I, I want to um, offer one thing too, is in terms of picking a side, there really is only one side. Yeah. The rest is like, I understand what you mean. I totally yeah. understand what you mean. I'm just clarifying that, that um, in reality, there's only one side. And as, as, as the woke movement likes to say, all these things are social constructs. This is everything else is a social construct. And so there's one side and that side is humanity. Um, and, and, and that, and coming with that is a deep respect for our creator. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have that, I, I started, I was very curious about the the top 10 people that we can identify. There, now, there are people really pulling the strings that will probably never know their names. But the top people that have chosen for whatever reason to be public, um, I did a deep dive on their character. I wanted to find out what what do they have in common? Like, is there anything unique? Like, what colleges do they go to? What do they study? What are they about? What are they Jewish? Are they are they irish are they like what what is the commonality between these folks and the only thing that really unites all of them and i mean 100% across the board is they're all atheists yeah and that should tell you something they're atheists and Amen. so um these are the ones who say like you know we have dr harari who's an advisor for the world economic forum saying ridiculous things like God was only able to create organic life, biological life. You know, we are creating digital reality, like beyond what God created. And you just go, wow, that's, that tells you a lot how he thinks of himself, right? So that again, there's room for compassion because if you can think of yourself as, as lowly compared to digital technology, you must not have a, a, that high of an outlook on yourself. And that has been something that we've all been subjected to through the years, through um, the media, and even through my industry, filmmaking industry. Some of my favorite films contain a narrative that suggests that humans are a cancer on this planet, that we are a parasite. And while we can certainly point towards uh, a lot of horrific uh, events that have, have taken place at the hands of a human none of that is true and, and and that is you can you can't the moment that you have reverence i love the word reverence because the moment you have reverence for your life for yourself and there's so many people that you know it's what's driving the transgender movement i'm in the wrong body it's not even possible it's ridiculous to even have that thought but this can only happen when they've endured all the manipulative marketing that convinces them that if you're a little overweight, you should look that way. So somehow God is fallible, put you in a body that's not that attractive, gave them the gift and you don't have the gift. All of that is so- socially constructed. For us to recognize that the, the, the diversity of our expression, exactly the way that we are and exactly the way that we are not, is divine and have reverence for for. The gift of being alive and the moment you truly have that in life, the meaningfulness, the healthy relationships, the true friends, the clear pathway towards doing what you came here to do, all of it presents itself, but it begins Mm -hmm. with that acceptance of reverence for your life.
2: Yeah, and uh, to take that even you know a step further there's that beautiful verse in the Bible that talks about like God created I created you in your mother's womb and I knew you before time began. He intentionally created us with love in his heart. God is love and he doesn't make mistakes and for those who are challenged and struggling with it's a love for self and as soon as that you know they they understand who God is and his love for them, that they need to take their self off the throne of their life and put him center. And then all of their their struggles, all of their striving, will just absolutely change direction because now they have a savior to rely on. And so the reverence that you talk about, I see as that love for self, which is a reverence for God who created them, and that that true reverence of God, that I, uh, um, identifying God as 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 that um, um, force in your life. It conquers so many other things. Um, I've seen the chat in as we've been speaking, and you know, a lot of the motivation was fear, and you know, and uh, and people not having or lacking wisdom and that knowledge. Um, so just just to finish that up when when people remove themselves and put God there there's there's so much more that they don't have to be concerned about they you know we're looking at this battle against uh, good and evil and even atheists are admitting that there is evil and if they admit evil they've got to admit there's good and God is good and there is no fear right in God that is something of the enemy and so we don't walk in fear we can be courageous we can stand on these front lines uh, because because. Because we know we've already won this battle, and I think that's um, an absolutely compelling place to be, and I would encourage others to seek that out and to uh, look for that freedom in their own lives. It's it's a beautiful thing. I want to ask you one more thing. Because uh, with the video in mind, in, and you know, we'll do this in closing. Because, like I say, I know you've had a very long day. I've received word today that uh, in Canada, with the Privy Council and Justin Trudeau, it's it's absolutely been um, confirmed that the government 100% knew that these jabs were going to cause severe harm to humanity and to those that they were forcing them on, including uh, Justin Trudeau appealing to children to take this jab. Um, What do you foresee in the future as far as accountability is concerned for these, I'm going to just come right out and say it, these murderous individuals
0: it's it's really a tough one, uh, Tanya, to, to to predict that because to date, no one has ever held accountable. But I I also um, I had uh, I saw a black and white illustration from the fifties in in two thousand that changed the way I see the future, and I'll I'll tell you what I mean by that. It was an IBM ad, and it was drawing an illustration of a woman. Um, And she was standing inside a living room and she was smiling and motioning towards an open door. And beyond that open door was a master bedroom. And that master bedroom was filled with a giant NASA-style computer system from floor to ceiling, wall to wall. And the entire ad was a warning. It was telling people that one day we would have, a common person would have, a computer in their homes. It would be called a PC, a personal computer in their homes. And that computer would be so big, it was warning homeowners that they should start preparing to build an additional room onto their home to become the computer room because that's how how large they were going to be. So in that era, um, IBM was the biggest, brightest leading forces in computer technology. But even so, none of them could even imagine what we now call nanotechnology, that the more powerful a computer would become, the smaller it would get. So now we have terabytes on the head of a needle. And there was nothing within their world in that industrial era, there was nothing within their reality that would suggest that things would become more powerful and and smaller at the same time. Everything was bigger and better. Bigger engines, bigger trucks, everything was more, more powerful. It had to get bigger. That's the way everything worked in that era. And so I always remember that when I look at situations like you just asked me about, will they be held accountable? Well, if I I always remember, I always tell myself, it depends on where I'm looking from. The mistake is to always look from where we're at and go backwards. Well, it never has happened, so it's never going to happen moving forward. The IBM people can get that so wrong you know they didn't understand what was coming that there was a new invention there was a new way and so when i look at it from the past i'm i'm less optimistic i say these people never get they ne- they're never brought to justice but when i look at it from the lesson that i learned through that one little print ad i um i become more optimistic in holding the possibility and the vision that we have what we're about to see we have potentially never see unless we want to talk about the Nuremberg trials. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. and is it possible that humanity rises up to recognize that we have all just undergone not only the largest transfer of wealth, but a massive global genocide? Mm-hmm. And when we wake up to that and we recognize that we have the power to actually do something about it, um, if we ever do that, well then, we will see the the we will see justice. Um, but what I'm most concerned with is that the systems, even more concerned with seeing these people brought to justice. Uh, of, of course, in many ways, I would love to see some of them brought to justice. Um, but above all, I want to see the people awaken to a point of never allowing this to happen again. That's a win for humanity. And if that becomes our way of being, that we pass on to our children, and they pass on to their children, becomes a lesson in the way that we pass on the birds and the bees story or whatever the silly stories are that we, we we tell our kids to try to understand the world but this becomes the new story of understanding you know that this has potential of happening and there are people in the world that will do this if they're given a chance so never give them a chance again
2: yeah and and i When I've looked at this and people have posed that question, uh, first of all, because of my deep faith, I just trust God that uh, when nations have turned their back on Him, He has always, throughout history, has allowed evil uh, evil leaders to be risen up. And, And then it is that reset. And we talked at the beginning about the Great Reset, that we are moving towards a Great Reset, but it is going to be back towards good. And it is so encouraging to see these millions of people coming out around the the world, uh, pursuing good and and uh, good goodness and righteousness and modeling that in a way that, you know, my generation, uh, n- was never exposed to. Uh, but this can be a very, very positive thing as we get all hands on deck. And, um, you know, I remember I, oh, I was on my belly before the Lord after a couple of years of Justin Trudeau and in 2017 and I was praying about him being removed 2018 and I remember God just laying it on my spirit that he will be the first prime minister removed from office and uh, and then as well you know proceeding towards legal actions that um, Action for Canada is involved in it's like again just appealing to the Lord and he just kept saying to me seek justice in the courts and I will meet you there and everything is in his timing. So whether this is a great resource set and we're gonna have this justice, we know justice will come when when these individuals, God have mercy on them, will have to stand before the Lord in judgment. And it could be a great reset where this is a revival going on right now around the world where where people are um really reflecting on what's most important in their life. So Mickey, actually uh Terenzio, would you please bring up Mickey's donation page? I would like to encourage everybody because I know that this video is going to go out far and wide to tens of thousands of people. And I want to encourage you. First of all, you have to have to watch the video. We're going to have the link in the description. And I'm asking you all to donate, donate something because Mickey's not done. He's got other amazing projects on the go. Uh, you're doing one, I believe, on uh, doctors, uh, giving them a voice in the midst of this to uh, as well expose some evil and tell a whole lot of truths. And so please support uh, Mickey on an ongoing basis. Maybe you want to become a monthly donor. And so, Mickey, is there anything? Thank you, Trenzio. Is there anything that you want to um, add to that, something that I've missed, anything that you want to encourage people to follow you on or be involved in?
0: Yeah, thank you for that opportunity. There is one more site that I, I recommend everyone to check out, and that is Get Fierce Now. So because we have so many compromised immune systems, and we have to understand, even if you're not vaccinated, with all the compromised immune systems out there, we have carriers now of all the, of, of all the different illnesses and viruses and, and seasonal situations that are out there. And so um, it's important to stay healthy. And so because I give all my films away for free, and even my book is free, um, I reached a point where my wife and I sat down and I said, speaking of the word sustainable, this is not sustainable. I don't know what to do here, uh, but I can I don't. I still don't feel right putting a price tag on my films. And so we have to create something else. And I said, well, if I create something else that generates revenue, I want to create a, something that also really helps the people. So what is one of the main problems? And and at that time, we said, well, we're we're going to see a lot of um, unhealthy people in the world, and um, and so with my connections in science, we um, got a hold of the two most brilliant formulators who left. Merck and Johnson and Johnson and all the big companies because once they found out what they were really doing um they couldn't do it any longer they're good people and they are they are among the top formulators in the world and I gave them one challenge I said we want a, a an immune restorer, not a booster not your typical stuff that you see on the market, but something that will truly help people come back to their natural immunity so that we don't need synthetic remedies and we don't need big pharma. And so after a year and a half of development, um, we have this fierce immunity, um, uh, immune restoring product that we have just launched. Um, JP Sears, the comedian, is my partner in this, and we're getting it out to the world in a big way. So I really um, uh, highly recommend this for your own health, but it also does help um, us to continue to make movies moving forward. And as you you said, with donations too, people always ask me how we're making, we have four movies in production right now, and we're making them on a shoestring. Um, they don't look like they're on a shoestring, but trust me, they're, they're micro budgets compared to what movies are made mm-hmm. for. Um, and it wouldn't be possible if it weren't for the um, donations, the public donations from the people that that's what keeps us going. And you're right, we're not even close to stopping. We have so much more work to do.
2: Right. Uh, you are just such a man of integrity. We appreciate your team. Send your uh, send your love to your team from all of us. And, uh, you know, people around the world have a great gratitude, uh, Mickey, towards you. And, you know, when I talk about that integrity, I know with Action for Canada, as well as I was creating these resources to tangibly help, you know, citizens uh, keep their jobs and protect their children. I just couldn't put a number on that. And so all of our resources as well have been for free and, uh, you know, it's just been so miraculous, the giving of individuals to help sustain action for Canada and the business of what we're doing. And, you know, I know that God is going to bless you as well. And I, I pray that for you and your team that you continue to have this amazing success. I think this pandemic three, I don't know if it'll outdo number one, but it's spectacular. And like I say, I again, encourage people to watch it. And I look forward to future films and having you on the show. So thank you so much for joining us tonight.
0: Thank you so much, Tanya, for your friendship and continued support. I really appreciate you.
2: Thank you. God bless you.
0: God bless you. Wow.
2: All right. That was absolutely amazing. We are so grateful for, to Mickey for coming on the show. And uh, okay, so uh, when I talk about a man of integrity, we have a couple of great shows coming up in the near future. I've done some juggling of who is going to be on next week because, uh, will you bring that up, Terenzio? We are actually going to have Maxime Bernier on next week. And this is another man of integrity. I had an hour phone conversation with him this morning, and I am full on in support of Maxime. You know, he has just been growing in his awareness since I first flew to Ottawa and spoke to him in March of 2019 of of what was going on um, in the world. He was so focused on finances, he had admitted to me, that he wasn't seeing the other things that were going on as far as mass immigration, what they were, the sick things that they were, you know, teaching our children, and as well about abortion. I spoke to him about sex-selective abortion and late-term abortion. I said, how do you feel about those things? And he didn't, uh, you know, we talked about what sex-selective abortion was. And for those of you who don't know, that's uh, certain cultures are coming into Canada that don't believe girls are valuable. So they'll have ultrasounds and they'll abort them. And, uh, you know, for Trudeau being such a feminist, you'd think he'd be coming down with the hammer and getting, you know, some sort of legislation in place to put a stop to this. But no, he's not, uh, because they're a culture of death that's going on. And Maxime is a culture of life. He's speaking out against euthanasia. He's tabling bills against legislation, uh, sorry, against, uh, the late term abortions and, um, uh the uh sex selective abortions uh there's so many other things that we spoke about in our our conversation this morning he is running for those of you who don't know in Manitoba in Portage Lisbon in Manitoba and i think it's really important for him to get a seat back in parliament so that we again have a truly conservative voice and i want all of us to commit to not voting out of fear going into the next le- election and thinking the Conservatives are going to solve our problems. They haven't historically in, in these past decades. They have not done that. And um, we know uh, we've seen reports on on their ties to the globalists. And quite frankly, where were they for three years while hundreds of thousands of businesses were being shut down and people were losing their jobs and jabs were being mandated where were they speaking out in, uh, you know, and ringing the bells along with the rest of us? Had they been doing that, I believe lives would have been saved. Anyways, I'm super excited. A man on a mission. And even that mission is, is, I think a mission for God. He, he received the Lord several years ago and you can see where his heart and his convictions are. This is a man who's, morality, uh, his morals and his standards uh, for society and that that good traditional living that we were talking about, I believe that Maxime is going to help Canada return to that. So please get the word out. Come and join us next week and listen to Maxime. The week after, um, I won't bring it up, but we're going to have Alex Newman on and we are going to talk about the role of men. After decades of emasculating men through this uh, tyrannical agenda, this Marxist agenda, this communist manifesto. It was to emasculate men and elevate women. And it's time to undo that. Men are the warriors and they're the protectors. Um, I'm a woman. I am I am the weaker sex and I'm okay with that. I can be strong in character. I can do all kinds of good things. You know, uh, we've we founded Action for Canada and uh, we've got wonderful men and women on this team fighting for this country. But we've got to an- acknowledge the strength of men. All right. It's time to raise them up. They need the confidence Confidence to get back on their feet and get on the front line of this with us. Okay, so what's our what's our verse today? All right, so Psalm 63, 1-3. to God, be merciful to us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Amen? All right. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, Please share all of our Empower Hours when we release them. Join our Rumble page. Uh, Please consider as well becoming a monthly donor with Action for Canada. We're working so hard and we're growing so fast, and we cannot continue without your support. Uh, If it's a one-time donation as well, we are always so incredibly grateful. So thank you so much. God bless you, and God bless Canada.
1: VIRTUOUS HEARTS WILL PURSUE IT YOU HAVE A VIRTUOUS heart IF YOU ARE HERE TODAY PURSUING FREEDOM AND RIGHTEOUSNESS AND THEN VERSE 23 COMES ALONG WITH A PROMISE GOD SAYS HE WILL TURN THE SINS OF EVIL PEOPLE BACK ON THEM HE WILL DESTROY THEM FOR THEIR SINS I TAKE GREAT COMFORT IN THAT BECAUSE I SERVE i